The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hello and welcome back one and all to the melodramatic teen universe. Hello, guys. What a year 2020 has been. What a fun little nugget for all of us, high and wide. And such a wonderful time to re-experience all of our favorite shows, all of these teen melodramas. I have had such an amazing time with you guys, just really digging into things that no one should ever have thought about, let alone 25 years later. And I'm just really happy that each and every one of you came with me on this journey. I am here announcing the finale of season one. Yes, it is the finale of the Melodramatic Teen Universe first season. We are so appreciative of all of you for sticking with us and listening to all of our hot takes. And we have a very, very special episode today. Again, I say it every week, but I really, really mean it. But do you know what's happening this week? I actually have the producer of the show on the show. It's very meta. It's very dramatic. I mean, that's not even quite the right word, but it's it's really, it's a beautiful little thing. It's really a nice like BTS moment where we get to like really see the wheels turn between myself, Emily Duke, your host. Hi, you know me, you love me. And our incredible producer who is the head of comedy at NBC Row. We absolutely adore her. She knows more about the melodramatic teen universe than possibly I do, which is disconcerting to say the least. Please welcome Eden Sutley. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is I. You're a watcher. <laughs> yes, you are my watcher. How do you feel like being exposed to the audience in this way already? Well, much like Giles, I'm a bumbling idiot sometimes. <laughs> and too much attention is on me, but I wish I had a sultry voice. To um, I mean, do you want, like, would you feel safer if we just pretended that you had a British accent for the remainder oh my of God, the podcast? Or would that awful. make you feel less safe? It would be awful. Well, we're so happy that you're here. And we're so excited for your expertise because, again, you are quite possibly the only person on the planet that knows more about this universe than I do holistically. I mean, I feel like we should tell our origin story super quickly. I mean, as, as head of comedy at Embassy Row, <laughs> a production company in New York, I often meet with great comedians. I have that. That is one of the perks of my job. And I got to meet with Emily. It seems like 100 years ago because it was before yeah, the pandemic. It was before talking. space time ceased. Yeah, we were talking in person in real life at a table seated yes. next to each other, meeting for the Mass first time with strangers. Like and we were just like talking about, you know, what we could do together, what we could work on, what we love. And then it just came out that we both were obsessed with all of these shows. And we were like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I remember this meeting quite differently, which is namely that I showed up and I had spent the last... 72 hours watching Gossip Girl. Like I had watched two seasons of Gossip Girl for 72 hours. And my husband was like, shit, like, don't you have a meeting? And I was like, fuck. And I like threw on clothes and I like ran across town. And I was like literally listening to the end of an episode of Gossip Girl on my walk. And I was like, I'm so prepared for this meeting. And then Eden was like, so what's up? And I was like, I have nothing to talk about that's not gossip. Like, I was like, I have truly, like, I was like, I should have probably had, like, some pitch in mind that wasn't. You're totally fine. I can relate. Like, I remember often, like, senior year of high school, like, I was almost late so many times because I just, like, needed to watch, like, a rerun of Dawson's Creek that was on. I was like, but I have to find out what happens. Full well knowing what happens. (laughs) 
I'm when people you. are like streaming is important, like I understand streaming is important for like a variety of reasons, but a really undersold benefit of streaming <laughs> is that I can literally be like, there's 10 minutes left on this episode, but I have to go and I will put it on my phone. Yeah. yeah. I will just walk to it while I listen to it. I'm like one of those yeah. assholes that like fully yeah. like will have my iPhone kind of in the corner of my eye while I walk down the street. But like funny. I'm from New York, so I'm allowed to do that. Hot there take kids. Streaming is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have it as children. We were just <laughs> we late for that. school. <laughs> We were just fully late for school. Okay. Now that everyone knows all about our long love history, (laughs) tell me, who are you? Obviously an expert, obviously a Giles. Yeah. I mean, obviously Giles for your Buffy. I just like comment. I just comment while you do all the work and I'm like, (laughs) I don't understand the youth. (laughs) Like I had to ask Emily, I was like, what's TikTok? (laughs) So I'm a hundred percent Giles, but like actually thinking about it all the time. I mean, like truly in the pandemic, I think you, you realized who you are more it's Paris Geller. Like that's who it is. Wow. Like it's true. Okay. I mean, it's really just like, and also because of the revival, you kind of got to see who she became as like a 32 year old. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, like, that's me. Like, you I, have a short haircut. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm not a successful doctor slash lawyer, but <laughs> I do hate most people. <laughs> there is yeah. a line in when I forget which I think it's like season four where they're at Yale. And I like think about this line so much. It's raining outside and Paris and Rory are getting soaked. They run in and this girl in the dorm is like, oh my God, is it raining out? And Paris is like, no, it's National Baptism Day. Get your tubes tied. (laughs) And I just like want to say stuff like that to people all the time. And the pandemic has heightened it because I don't like have actual interactions with people. So when I see people doing like silly things, I'm just like, God, I wish I was Paris Keller right now. Okay, can I also just what is the relationship between it's National Baptism Day and get your tubes tied? Because basically like, like period and then you're an idiot, get your tube side, don't don't like procreate. it's like you shouldn't procreate because you exactly didn't get my which I want to say to people, which is like one of the many reasons I can never run for like political. Okay, so it's because it's like I want to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's too well, it's a joke and a tag. It's an equally like equal important joke and statement. <laughs> Okay, got it. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't something of like, it's National Baptism Day, so you should tie. And so I was you like, should. No, no. Oh, like, do we not? Like, I was like, is part of baptism, like, I'm I'm very good at jokes. I'm not that good at Christianity. Like, I was like, is part of baptism, like, having unprotected well, to sex? Be fair, like, I'm not a comedian, so I likely did not deliver it well. So that's on me. I think you did a great job. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And like, you're head of comedy. So you are oh the my CEO. God. It doesn't mean I'm funny. It means I appreciate, again, a line from Gilmore Girls, like, oh, she can appreciate. A, a joke. Perfect. That's me. That's all okay. you need. I will say somebody that finds the right things funny, I think is funnier than somebody that purports to be funny. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's like much more important, but also I'm, I'm glad we agree on that. that you're the CEO of comedy because my husband routinely says that he's the CEO of comedy <laughs> when I'm like depressed <laughs> about my career. And he's like, well, I'm the CEO and I'm going to give you a raise. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's like really sweet though. Or he's like, I'm the CEO and you're fired. <laughs> Um, you know who would do that? Uh, Riley. Riley Finn would be that sweet and kind. And I just want to bring up my love of Riley on this podcast. Oh my God, we're starting. As we know, so Emily hates, hates no one more. Okay. Yeah, I do feel like we need to like talk about the elephant in the room before we get into any of our segments. Like I just feel like <laughs> it has saying, to be said. Your husband sounds very sweet. Sounds like something Riley would do. Just Yeah, saying. he's like very emasculated Spike, by my success. <laughs> so he like has to pretend to be my boss so that like, you know, and then he has to like fuck a bunch of other comedians in like a basement because like I fucked comedians. So like, 
No, yeah, that, that, that was horrible. Hot. I don't like that season as much as season four. So. You can't <laughs> like Riley and not, okay, all right. I know, so, I know. <laughs> the elephant in the room. Yeah. Very early in this working relationship, it became very clear to us that potentially we needed to cease our working relationship <laughs> because I would say that this is like a fundamental disagreement. I think this is like something you disagree with the world on. Like, I don't think yeah. this is like we're opposite okay. ends. Like, I think like I'm really speaking to the popular vote here. Like, I feel oh, like you you're are. a third like, party voter. <laughs> here's something else super nerdy about me. I spent my 21st birthday with my mom in like some weird part of Florida for what's called the slayage conferences on the Whedonverse. And it's where like academics present like academic papers on Joss Whedon related TV shows. So I definitely went to that for my 21st birthday, but it was so funny because I was like, oh, these people are so cool. But then everyone was like bashing Riley. And I was like, why is everybody Riley? (laughs) Okay. Can you just explain? Because I don't think we've actually ever discussed it ad nauseum. Because I was like, honestly, like quite frankly, like I don't want to hear it. And now we're at the finale and we have like a break and we don't have to talk to each other for a while. Like, let's like, just tell me why. Because, and it's something that I think resonates for a lot of these shows your relationship with them depends wholly on what age you were when you first watched it okay like as you know I had not seen One Tree Hill growing up and so I started watching it when we were doing the podcast and I'm just like oh my god this show I don't understand its purpose like what's the mission none of us really understood it at the time (laughs) but like for Buffy I watched it when I was super young and so I think just seeing Riley I was like oh he's so nice he's there for her he's around he was like a Ken character yeah and but not in like a Dean way where he was like an absolute idiot see I liked Dean at the time with Gilmore Girls I liked so funny I, I never like liked Riley. I realized Dean sucked like later. Yeah, so you realize yeah, yeah, these yeah. things later where it's like, oh, Riley doesn't think Buffy can like do anything by herself. But growing up, yeah. I was like, he's stable and is there for her. I think it's also just that for me, maybe something that I'm underselling in my hatred of Riley, because again, <laughs> I always lean to the like, hey, he literally was so insecure about her being a slayer that he like basically went to like a whorehouse to like be yeah, drained by the vampires. Insecure. Not a child. Uh, <laughs> so like that, I think is like something I lean on. I'm not going to say too much, but that's normally where I go. Yeah. I think a more undersold issue that I have with Riley is that he and Sarah Michelle Geller just don't have chemistry. Interesting. Less like, so than tall. she has with I Angel or has with, with him. Spike. He's tall. <laughs> I mean, he's tall. He has dimples. Like there are things yeah. working there and like he's sweet and nice, whatever. But like the only moment where I'm like, I care about them is them just kind of like giggling and smiling at each other. Like they're in third yeah. grade and being like, <laughs> yeah, you don't actually last. see any The chemistry passion. doesn't last long. It like fizzles out versus like anytime, anytime David Boreanaz is like on the show or there's a crossover, you're just like, <gasps> the magic. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like heart them. literally yeah. ceases to burn. So okay. it's, just, it's just something I think I'm holding on to from, from the youth. <laughs> I think I'm like, I'll accept it. And I do think that like, as far as like traditionally attractive dudes of that era, he could be on the cover of Teen Bop more yeah, well, so than David Boreanaz or James Parsters. Well, because rewatching them, like the ideal like handsome man or whatever, I feel like was always illustrated through the dad of these characters, like Dan Scott and Mitch Leary, like all these like beefcake, overly tan white well, guys. Because they were all just, soap like, actors. Ew. They were ew, all like, soap actors. I know. It's like, ew, this is so cheesy. It was like a cheesy looking man. And so I think Riley for me looks like regular. <laughs> so also yeah. I'm just connected something when I said they're all soap actors. Have you ever seen Soap Dish? No. With Sally Field. Okay. 
major plug for Soap Dish. It's Kevin Klein okay. and Sally Fields and Whoopi Goldberg. Aww. It's like truly the best movie ever. Okay. And Elizabeth so. Shue. Oh, and <gasps> Harry. And, uh, Elizabeth Shue. It's it's really amazing. And um, Harry Downing Jr. Harry Downing. Harry Connick. No. Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a stroke. I haven't recorded in a while. I haven't like spoken to a human in like six days. <laughs> I know Robert Downey Jr.'s name. Good for me. <laughs> um, I was about to be like Iron Man and I was like, that's even yeah, more you're humiliating. like the top paid actor in the top paid franchise. Well, because I was like, I can't time. bring up Marvel because then people will think that I don't know things about Marvel, which is even more <laughs> humiliating when it's actually just that like, I literally like don't remember my own name right now. <laughs> okay. Big plug for Soap Dish. I'm fairly certain the actor who plays Dan Scott uh-huh. is in Soap Dish as yeah. like the hunky soap actor husband of Sally Fields who leaves no. her. No, okay. I yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember what we were talking about. Before. Anyway, well, no, oh, the, ri- oh, the Riley is normal looking, and that's great. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure, whatever. <laughs> totally. But yeah, no, I do. He has more like boyish good looks than. I mean, he looks like he's from Iowa. Like if you were at Central Casting and you're like, I need someone who's from Iowa and like farmed. It's like there's Luke Cafferty from Friday Night Lights and Riley Finn, <laughs> Buffy. Like those are the two. Those are them. All right, should we hop into our first segment? Yes. Okay. Oh, also, before we like fully go into this, I need to say that, that like I thank you so much for doing this public service for everyone. I think it's very <laughs> important. It's gotten me through the pandemic. It's important to, as we just did, take a look back at the things that shaped us. I mean, truly, so these shows like built our our idea of like what successful and unsuccessful relationships were. I thought you were going to say like built our like sexual ideals, and I was like that god. as well, perhaps. Oh god, the but whole... like how, but like how to be a parent too because it's so funny I'm not a parent no one's pregnant <laughs> but, but yeah, just you got saying. your tubes tied for your baptism because that's <laughs> yeah. a thing that's connected we did it we, we did it comedy. that's um, why they pay me the big bucks well it's funny because like you watch these things when you're like 14 years old and then you watch them now in your 30s and you're like oh wow I kind of see where fucking Tammy and Eric Taylor are coming from Julie sucks which, by the way, is something that I don't think we fully dissected on this podcast yet. I know no. we talk about Jenny on Gossip Girl and Dawn Jenny and Buffy, but Julie Taylor Julie's in Friday boys. Night Lights. Not to hate on the white women, but like... <laughs> but also, it's funny you say Julie, and also, oh. like, let's definitely hate on the white women, but like, that's fine. We're here for <laughs> it. like, as a white woman, yes, let's hate on the white women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to go ahead and say that we can do it's that fine. on this podcast. <laughs> um, when you originally said Julie and we were talking about parents, I got a DM on our Instagram account today about the fact that we have yet to do an entire episode about Julie Cooper, which was a big oversight because yeah. I was planning on doing a Lily Vanderwoodson v. Julie Cooper. Uh, when you said Julie in the context of parents and you were like, Julie sucks. I was like, if you're about to say Julie Cooper sucks, I'm going to kill you. Julie Cooper did everything right. And we are assholes. <laughs> Nothing wrong. You're like, I'm standard white woman named Julie. Who's she going to be talking about? I don't know. <laughs> it's either Connie Britton's daughter or Misha Barton's mom. <laughs> I don't know. What are we doing? <laughs> All right. Well, let's hop into our first segment. Yes. We're going to be talking about something which we haven't talked about yet on the podcast, but needed to be discussed. It's weird to me that it hasn't come up. And I'm very excited that our producer came up with this brilliant (laughs) suggestion because it's definitely important. And that is namely the theme songs, intro song. I mean, do we call them theme songs or intro songs? I don't know. You're a producer. You're the CEO of comedy. (laughs) Well, what I think is really funny and that something that we'll definitely talk about is that I can't really name a new show in like the YA young adult 
genre right now that even has a theme song. Well, Riverdale has like a flickering light bulb going out. Yeah, it's like they all have little (laughs) tiny intros, but I think because a lot of them are on streamers or people know that that's where people are watching stuff that they they just assume we're going to fast forward. And I do think that these songs play such a pivotal role in like setting the the mood and getting you excited to watch the show. Because like as a nostalgic moment, when you rewatch these, you're like, oh yes, this song. And it like gets you pumped and it gets you like in the headspace. But I just don't feel like people do it anymore. And it's very sad. Yeah. And it's funny because you see also, I feel like it's like the teen drama YA world has gone the like, or I would basically say anything that's like on like proper TV just doesn't really have intro songs anymore. Like if you think of like the old type or Riverdale or like any of those. Whereas if you look at like the Netflix HBO, they have like four minute long intros that are just like classical yeah. piano over like, they're all based on Westworld, first of all. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All based on Westworld. And they're right. all just weird classical piano and like wax materializing right. out of nothing. And yeah. like probably cost more than the bold types six seasons cost to produce. And I, can, I can attest that yes, those are expensive because you're yeah. doing all that stuff with like 3D modeling and like augmented reality. So it's super expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like those are our only two options. And like and it's honestly, like guys, why don't we just license I don't want to be by Gavin DeGraw? Like let's just do it. Yeah. Like I don't <laughs> under, and also like I can't watch them. Like it can't because also like first of all on HBO and Netflix, it literally has a button for skip intro. Like, I know so like they want to skip it. Yeah. Word. They're like four minutes long. The only one that I actually watched all the way through was Ratchet because I, that oh, one really? got me really lit. Yeah. And also just because I kind of had no idea what the fuck was going on. So I kept rewatching it to try and figure it out. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. It was a puzzle. But no, but it's like Emily in Paris. Like, did that have a theme song? I didn't if watch that, Emily if that in had, Paris. Totally fine. You're missing nothing. But if that had been on the CW <laughs> or UPN or the WB like decades ago, it probably would have had some cute little like boop, boop, boop. or also it might have. And I just skipped it because that is what. Or it would have been like a Netflix. Dua Lipa song. Like, like yeah, it might have been. I truly don't know. <laughs> I can't tell um, you. All right. Well, first song we have to cover is obviously Dawson's Creek exclusively because RIP and peace. When you stream Dawson's Creek now, you cannot you do not hear the original song. Yeah. I'm not even going to say what the song they use is now because I've repressed it, even though I just yeah. watched Dawson's Creek all the way through. Yeah. And I, mean, I couldn't I fast forward it because it was Hulu. Like, I mean, I could, but not in like a one click. Like it was a manual yeah. fast forward. Well, apparently though, when they were, they, meaning I don't know who, was trying to like save money when they licensed it out to other networks, they not only switched out the theme music, but also some of the more expensive tracks that are actually in the series. And so I, I can't like identify a lot of those. But if you watch like, you know, episode four of season four on the DVD versus on Hulu, there could be different music within the episode That's as well, so which I think upsetting. is crazy. Okay, yeah, also crazy. from what I remember about Dawson's Creek, every song was like from Lilith Fair. So I just assumed that any <laughs> yeah. song that got cut was Sarah McLaughlin. Like, I feel like Sarah McLaughlin probably charged a lot. Yeah, probs then. Well, her, her music was in literally, every, it was in Buffy. It was in that. Oh, yeah. It was the in winter everything. cold <laughs> and bitter. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, and like season four of Dawson's Creek. Um, okay. We haven't named the song yet. It was I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole. <laughs> We're not going to sing it. I might later, no. but I haven't started it <laughs> yet today. So like I probably won't. Yeah. Um, but it's I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole and everybody should listen to it. I mean, I would say this is probably the most iconic. Like this is the song that like created the intro team. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, of, of like a popular song, I would say this is probably one of the more well-known. Yeah, songs. and Paula Cole was like, 
did this put her on the map or was she already relatively famous? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it would have been like if Emily in Paris had like a Dua Lipa song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was like of the time. Like it wasn't just like it a definitely was, but like song. of the time I was in Louisiana definitely listening to like country music because that's my environment. So not my fault. Yeah. Don't know. I was definitely like going to Lilith Fair <laughs> with my dad. My first concert was oh. the Wallflowers at Irving Plaza, like Bob Dylan's song. That's cool. Band. You're way cooler than I am. Mine I was like really. Reba McIntyre at a fair. No, I had like a cool dad who was like, hey, <laughs> sit here and like try not to get too high. There's like so oh, much fucking weed in this room. And I was like, I'm, I'm like hungry. cute. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm very hungry and sleepy. <laughs> like everything's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Bodulin's son is a comedian. That's great. Yeah, I mean, any thoughts on I don't want to wait? I mean, should we rank them like out of 10? Yeah, like, perhaps. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a solid nine because I don't know if it's. I, I mean, think for it me, gets, like, I think. I think it's higher up because like we miss it. We don't get it when we, we miss it. It's iconic. It established a lot, but I don't think it matches the tone of the show as well as some other songs. Agreed, that we're gonna name. So like, are you I sticking think to nine? I'm sticking to nine because I, I okay. think their only doc is that like, it doesn't really have a ton to do with the show. Like the show is actually all about the fact that like, Dawson doesn't really want to lose his virginity. Yeah, like he it wants seems. to wait. They all want to wait. <laughs> yeah, like they're all like, like it's just like, it seems very much like they're in Arrested Development and it's weird to have this song of like, we're trying to get out of here. Like, was- I, Yeah, I think the song is more indicative of the time the show was made in, not necessarily of the show. Yeah, but like it could be any song from that genre. Yeah, and it any would be like fun. good song, but like it's not related. Okay, but next still song. nine, but still high marks. <laughs> high marks, still a nine. It's iconic. Like it is iconic. Also, screw it. Maybe I'll give somebody a 12. I don't know. Um, okay, Where You Lead, Carol King, Gilmore Girls. Where I is mean, this talk about you? a song matching the tone Where of a show. Uh, I didn't also, like the fact that Carol King is later like a guest star in the show is funny. Yeah, not quite like Gavin DeGraw on One Tree Hill funny, but... <laughs> different, different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Carol King, I mean, it's cute. I mean, also, well, spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen the revival, but literally, like, the lyrics being, like, where you lead, I will follow. Rory also gets pregnant. Like, it's the same. I don't think they thought that far. <laughs> no, they didn't. I'm just saying, like, you know, when you take the holistic look of the series, it, it speaks to the series better than, like, an I don't want to series. Wait. It's yeah. tonally very in line. And it's, like, folksy yeah. and cute. Yeah. I was a little... Gilmore Girls is interesting because music is very important in it. And in yeah. the... Next segment, we're going to talk about music a lot for their season one yeah. finale. But like, they actually have a troubadour. Like, they have somebody that's like singing live. But yeah. like, whatever that word is, like, people in the town can hear as well. And like, yes. them going to concerts is really important. And like, music and like Jess's whole personality is music and books, as famously said in a previous episode. <laughs> and I will say that like that song doesn't really match the other music in the show. That's true. I also just like, I, I like it. Like, I think it's fine, but it's not, it doesn't get me lit by any means. Like it no, always feels it, like a nice, satisfying breath of fresh air after the cold open. Yeah. Again, it like, I think it satisfies like the tone of the environment of like this small Northeastern town, as opposed to like the show necessarily. It's like, because I feel like so much of the pilot and the early seasons are like really about building up Stars Hollow and like what that is. And I think that song really helped. But you're right. As far as like the actual tone of the show and the content and like the character growth, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it also just like doesn't, 
again, it feels like a resolution, not a beginning. Like it yeah. feels, it always fits very nicely into the cold open. I feel like they right, also right. Gilmore Girls, I would say, does the best job besides maybe the OC of like the pre-intro, like cute little moment. Oh, cute like, little moment. Yeah, like standing always, alone. Yeah, largely because it was always Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> it was yeah, just, like always because really Amy Sherman Palladino was like, I'm gonna be. I'm also a comedy writer, and so it's like it's a very like nice tight, cute sits on little, its own. Yeah, cold. Open yeah, it's a nice, cute little beginning, middle end, like nice little segment. And the OC did that too, but like it was. Whereas if you look at like One Tree Hill or Dawson's Creek, like. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always like mid-conversation. The song comes in. You're like, wait, what are we not? Okay, I guess we're no, done with that No, it's always the song and then you yeah. hear a bell, like a high school bell go off. Yeah. Like I like weird. hear a high school bell whenever <laughs> I hear these songs being like, the scene's starting. So I'll what are you waiting a, where you lead? I'll give it a six. I feel like because it is, in all, but all of these are iconic. So that's They're all iconic. Um, I think I because it's Carol King, I'm going to give it an eight. <laughs> I'm way, I'm Paula Cole every day. That's the beef I'm starting. I just love that Carol King's in it as like a out record store, music store owner. It's very cute. Okay. All right. I'll take that. All right. She commits more than Gavin DeGraw. She does commit. Okay. I don't want to be by Gavin Mm -hmm. DeGraw, One Tree Hill. So, okay. You're watching One Tree Hill. Yeah. How are you? How are you mentally? I'm actually, I'm just like not that invested. I just, I'm also, but I'm also not, Currently, I'm, I might be a melodramatic adult, but I'm not a melodramatic teen. So, like, I'm having a hard time relating. Um, yeah. Also, I would argue that, like, these shows are kind of only as strong as the adults in them, too. Like, it's a balance. And I would say that the adult storylines, like, of the parents, I mean, not, like, adult, like, porn. <laughs> the adult storylines of, like, the parents and the other people in the town is not as compelling as, like, Gossip Girl... I think this is also, like, why you like Gilmore Girls more than I do. I think. Yeah, Gilmore Also, I always, whenever I'm watching Gilmore Girls, I really like Gilmore Girls. And when I'm not, I'm like, ugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's like, I mean, like, I'm very tired of it because I've seen it so much, but it's just the show yeah. that I can just put on when working. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, it's in the background. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I can't see myself falling in love with One Tree Hill. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone should be or has or like. Who's I don't in know. love with one we tree hill? Raise your hand. <laughs> we all just have Stocko Sindo. Like, it's just like a pot. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, I feel like, you know, Josie and the Pussycats, the one with Alan Cummings. Yeah, it's yeah. like like they're brainwashing people through the pop music to like the pop yeah. music. Like, I feel like that's what- A hundred percent. Like, I think, yeah, One Tree Hill, I think the, I'm attracted to some of the, the tracks within it. Like, that Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it does yeah. exactly enough to keep- And in. Sophia Bush. Like, that's it. That's oh, all so it's good. doing for me. Um, I would say, I don't want to be definitely higher than Carol King for me. It's tight with Paula Cole, honestly. I would say it definitely fits the tone of the show more. Yeah. Like 100%. I will say I probably like the song more. I do like the song a lot. I was going to say part of this ranking system for me is which ones I skip and which ones I let play. And I do let this song play. Do you not let I Don't Want to Wait or Where You Lead play? I don't let Where You Lead play now because I've heard it 100 bajillion times <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I don't want to be as a it's a banger like it's a banger <laughs> proper banger like, it was like it played at my wedding <laughs> it was my first dance uh I actually brought you here to ask you if you'll sing it at my funeral um thank you yeah no I do think it fits the tone of the show it does especially with the like Eminem opening not as good of, of a show but as far as intros <laughs> oh yeah it's like really Lucas Scott high. being like Eminem like with the hood like crossing yeah. the bridge like it's like it's very it's very dramatic it's the song's great yes. 
It, it yes. fits very well. It fits very well. It fits the tone. I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna. I'll give it a nine. I don't want to wait. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next up, serious contender, California. We talk about fit. I think this is a ten. I think this is a yeah. slammed it out of the park for an intro yeah. song. Yeah, tonal, like actually matching up with the show, the era. Yeah, Phantom Planet. Right. I mean, I feel like there's not even that much more to discuss with it. It's just yeah. like it's, it's called like a great California. song to listen to, like also while you're like in a car cruising. Like it's not just like a TV show song. It's also just like a great song. Yeah, like it's just a great song. It really fits the genre of the show. It's like precisely like tonally exciting enough like it gets me really like yeah let's do this but also yeah, yeah. like and they play just the right length of it like it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. this one's very I have very... no complaints okay yeah, I don't have any complaints about this theme <laughs> besides either. like maybe I would prefer a female vocalist because I generally do but like I'm fine with <laughs> like otherwise like I'm like okay we're here <laughs> it's good okay Buffy the Vampire Slayer well I think something important to note like the ones we just finished talking about are all you know, with vocals, popular music yes. versus these next ones are all kind of instrumental-ish. Yeah. So let's also say of the top four. So we're saying combining our ranking is it's California. I don't want to be, I don't want to wait where you lead. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did we say I don't want to be beat Paula Cole or did we both give them both a nine? I think I, think I don't want to be beat Paula Cole because it fits okay. like the show more maybe. All right. I'm into that. Great. All right. Well, sure. we highly recommend you listen to all of them. And now we're going to talk about some instrumentals that like it would be really fucking weird if you like searched on Spotify, but we recommend that you do it because yeah. it's hilarious. They're First good. one. I mean, let's just say it right now. This, this is the best, is the best instrumental. Yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, I would also say this is probably a 10 for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as reflecting the show, the time, getting you excited. like It was written for great. it. It's perfect. The slide guitar. Like, it's just it's very, so very, it's very iconic. well done. Well, also, what's and funny I, is I was watching the season one finale of this to prep for this again. And I was like, oh, wait, they play the theme song towards the end mm-hmm. of the finale, which I was like, this is weird. They made a lot of really weird choices. In yeah. season well, they one had no me. money in season one, so it makes sense. You're like, why is there no lighting? <laughs> but uh, yeah, this theme is iconic. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Next one, Steps of the Met, The Transcenders, Gossip Girl. You hate it. You're I not just, here for it. I don't understand even like what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just like what Kristen Bell's like, you know, you love me. Exo, like so it's exact. under that, right? And who am I? That's yeah. one secret I'll never, never tell. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. I mean, it is it is very good because it's very like sophisticated New York, sexy, mysterious. Yeah, like, it's really like little cosmos and eating sushi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, also, sure. like cutting edge as far as like none of them have intros now. It's like eight seconds long. Like it's like yeah. it is the beginning also, like, of the this, flickering what light. What is Kristen on Bell's like royalty check on that? Like, does she get just like every month? It's just like two dollars. Someone download. <laughs> In this song. <laughs> okay, so she's not in the song. So she's not in the so if that you download that the song, over. it's just the I know what the song sounds like, and you doing that, it's like they're not crossing paths whatsoever. 
I, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, no, it. that's great. No, it's good. Um, but also that comes up, like that musical tone, like it's basically one three-minute song and they take different sections of it and put it in different episodes all the time. Like they use yeah, it, it's like, a great, like transitions. They use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the beginning one is just that we have Kristen Bell being like, that's one secret I'll never tell. And then like weird <laughs> flashing lights that make you feel like you're in the bathroom of a Haru sushi. And like that's yes, just, like, it's true. It. That's really funny. Um, yeah, it's so a yeah. good, it's a good opening theme. I mean, are we ranking these? Buffy's obviously a tad. I'll Buffy say this wins. Is the end. Yeah, like I don't even think these need rankings. I I just want to defend Steps of the Met, and I also just think that yeah. we all need to know it's called Steps, Steps of the Met. Of the Met. It's That's brilliant. literally it's the brilliant. name of this track, and you can download it, and it's three and a half minutes long. <laughs> it's oh my just, god! And who and who makes it? The Transcenders. Uh, what a great like 1950s pop group name <laughs> it's great i'm so into it the next one that we have to talk about which i know you didn't watch 90210 yeah but that theme song is literally like it's like if they did an snl sketch about teen dramas of the early 90s like this That's is the so theme song funny. like it's a je- like it's no it's it's weird i i listened to it right before this just so i had the knowledge and i was like this feels and I don't say this is a knock, but like, cause I love the never ending story, but it feels like it's <laughs> like a nineties, like older version of like the never ending story theme. It's very yeah. weird to me. Yeah. You know, that makes complete sense. I would say like tonally that probably fits. That was also back when we used to get intros where it was just people in studios, like smiling and being like, oh, I'm God. Dylan. <laughs> just like turning the camera. <laughs> yeah. Which like is something that I really miss and wish that everybody had to do like I wish it wasn't just the real housewives that we're doing (laughs) yeah I wish you got cast based on your ability to like turn around and like (laughs) yeah like I want to see that for like Chuck Bass like I want to (laughs) see like Chuck Bass in a studio like flipping his scarf and being like hot <laughs> I like really want that and so yeah because he'd be like I'm Chuck Bass Uh, precisely so um i will give it to them there and then you added one i added one because i find i find it be important (laughs) okay all right tell me i mean you're the host now i do think the friday night lights open is so pretty and so good i love that open do you want to sing it (laughs) no i mean it's it's instrumental is it (laughs) yes it's exactly that you know it's like it's just like i think it's beautiful i thought it was worth mentioning i love that show (laughs) (laughs) End of podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this has been melodramatic. Team. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you do you not know that one? It's no, I know it, but like yeah. it's not really. I not didn't re-listen to, to it before this. Should I just listen yeah. to it right now? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I like really. I can't. I don't know what it you is. You can't place it. Interesting. I also just feel like is it a country song? No, it's it's. Mm, I feel like a lot of the music on that show, because again, Julie Taylor like tried to be into music because not all like Taylor, your mom girls are. Um, but it's like a lot of that music was more like not folksy and not country, but like more chill. It was like chill, not Crucifixorious, Landry's band. But oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, right, it was like right. moody, like, I don't know, chill. I liked it. Okay. This is just a time for me to tell I'll listen to it after I this. Like. I will listen yeah. to it after this, but I will say like, I will also say how I rank these is based on the fact that if somebody is like quick, like sing the sing theme song to it. blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like I would say it's probably honestly in the order we read them. Well, no, I would probably say the first one that comes to mind when you're like, hey, name a theme song. Like if we were playing like categories, I would probably yeah. go with that. I don't want to wait. Yeah, and yeah. then probably California and then probably Buffy and then I don't want to be. 
Yeah. I mean, these, these that would also be pressure. up there for me. Like, I feel like, honestly, the first thing that popped in my head might be like, and that's one secret I'll never tell. <laughs> Your favorite <laughs> like, song is this song. I think it's my favorite song. Like, okay, that's sing so- that at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> sing that. Change, scratch, that's, scratch that. That's what I, this is officially a legally binding will, so great. That's really funny. The only uh, other one that I will mention that I do often think of as iconic, like this uh, universe theme songs is for Smallville, Save Me is so good yeah for that. that's very good yeah but I, I always got say, amped when that like played when I was like 10 years old watching that yeah no that was a really good one and I would say like we definitely undersold Smallville in general in this season of yeah. Ball Dramatic Teen Universe and I apologize to my it's fans okay, okay. um <laughs> well because it's not it's not fans. streaming anywhere that I know yeah. of so it's hard to rewatch you can like buy it on Amazon yeah which, which I yeah. did for the first season. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, which I'm not doing. You're like, which I did. <laughs> which I did. But just because I was like, I don't really remember it. And well, I it went like, on for too long. And it was like, I don't want to rewatch this whole thing. You think Smallville went on for too long? You have nine seasons of One Tree Hill to watch. <laughs> Every season yeah, I don't know if progressively fewer episodes that are watchable. And I would say season seven, eight, and nine have no episodes that are watchable. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, you're not like inspiring confidence for the show. I, might, I, might I don't done. want to. I don't want to. Yeah, like, that's not my goal. All right. Let's talk about the season one finales. There are six that I would say are like core to canon. They are the six shows that we covered in our first two pilot episodes. So okay. One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls, Gossip Girl, Buffy, Dawson's Creek, and The O.C. <laughs> oh, wow. I did that off the top of my head. Very proud of myself. All right. So of those six, they're all very different season one finales. Again, we're not talking serious finales. If you haven't seen the first season of all of these shows, go watch them all now. These seasons are all incredible. Watch the first season up to the finale for all of these shows and then come and listen to the first season of the MTU podcast. And then you can continue with like your life and your children or whatever the fuck you have going on. Eden, which of these six are your favorite? Ah, uh, the one I like rewatch the most probably and do you think is strong plot wise is Dawson's Creek. I mean, I'm annoyed because spoiler, like, you know, Joey gets a scholarship to go to France and then doesn't because she wants to stay for Dawson. But I do think like it starts to show the budding like care that Pacey has for her by like driving her to prison to see her dad on his birthday. Yep, 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 yep. Jen, Jen's character starts to really like take shape in like the rebellion and like. So, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely has some pros, namely that I think it does a very good job of concluding everything that we needed to have concluded while also setting up some very good little seeds for the following season right like yeah a little bit more interested in Pacey we're a little bit more interested in Jen and like her emotional arc and also like you know again the whole show is set up as a will they won't they and it starts off with like Dawson and Joey in the bedroom like not making out when they should be making out and then the last scene is them making out in the bedroom like it's very much like that act out playing say goodnight not goodbye by Beth Nielsen Chapman it's like I mean I would say from a soundtrack perspective it is the most like goosebump inducing like last moment like it's really checking the box of what we want to happen in the finale based on the pilot I agree I mean it's it's also I think it also shows you why Dawson's Creek is I mean it it is very melodramatic but the writing is strong in in that it's not just Joey and Dawson that are like developed characters like you really are interested in the side characters who I think become more interesting Namely, yes. Pacey and Jen. So yeah, yeah. I, I like this season one finale. 
And it pains me to say it's not Buffy for me, but it's just not. Do you have a like second place Miss Congeniality, like crowd favorite, like anyone that you just like, just have a hot take on? Hot take. I mean, I wish I liked the Gilmore Girls season finale more, but it's really oh, just I about if Rory's going to end up with Dean and if Lorelai will end up with Max. And it's like, oh, we're two smart women. There's other things we could be doing. And it's just not exciting for me. Again, with the Gilmore Girls finale, I feel very similarly to the way I feel about the song where it's like, it's a closer, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I need to see the next season. Like this was so exciting. Like I don't care at all. There aren't any stakes. Like at the end of the finale, there aren't any stakes. Yeah. At the end of the finale, they're with the two guys. And I also just don't like that. That is the thing. I mean, yeah, the plot of the season, like I would say for Buffy, where it's like, it ends with her fighting the master and you find out that the Hellmouth is under the library. Like at least you find stuff out about like the mythology of the world and that's great, but there was like no money. So there's like $5 devoted to lighting and it's, it's just hard to watch. And like at the end, they're like the master's dead. And it's literally like a skeleton on a piece of wood. (laughs) And that's like their big melodramatic set piece. (laughs) I know it's very cute. It tried so hard. I was like, did you just take the lab coat off that skeleton? Like what the (laughs) fuck is going on? Like, Well, you and I talked about this offline, but like compared to the season two finale of Buffy, which is like one of the best best episodes episodes of of all, all television yeah mm-hmm. so it's like i can't do season one of buffy as like up there among these so yeah i'm gonna go with dawson's creek i would also say we should probably say like what do we each individually think is like a good finale because for me it's really a combination of like does it satisfy the things i wanted it to satisfy but also does it excite me for the following season yeah. and i feel like it's very hard to do both like i would feel like Gilmore Girls really just resolves their shit like they don't really set anything up in any interesting way that like Makes me really thirsty. Yeah, but also, does it, like, surprise you? Is it not just following, like, textbook plot line? Like, the fact that Jen's grandpa dies uh, in Dawson's Creek, it's like, oh, wow, that's really good. I would also argue One Tree Hill finale has one of the biggest, like, twists, which is that we find out Deb slept with Keith. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, like, a good, like, as far as, like, finales having, like, a big twist, like, that's a pretty big twist. Yeah, I just don't care about those adults. <laughs> I know, you hate one trail. You hate one trail. It's fine, it's fine. It's fine. I would say that for me, it's tight between the OC and Gossip Girl. I think I'm going to give the edge to the OC, which honestly, it feels unfair because the first season of the OC is actually like three seasons of television. Like, it's just so fucking long. It's so much, yeah. It's so much, but I do think the OC does an incredible job of sealing things up, but also it's such a good bookend with the pilot. Like, if you watch the pilot and the finale, you can figure out basically everything that happened. It resolves it so perfectly. We have Ryan going back to Chino with Teresa. We have like this beautiful, with Hallelujah Jeff Buckley playing at the end, we have basically a montage of like where each of the characters are. And it's like yeah. Seth Cohen sailing off to what we think is Tahiti, but is actually- It's death. It's death. <laughs> sailing to death. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where's he going? <laughs> He's Seth sailing somewhere. Kiki like hysterically crying in Sandy's arms. Marissa just like drinking vodka out of like a flask, like in her palace. And like Ryan back in the car, like- I would say the big oversight is Summer isn't in the finale montage, which makes me very sad. I mean, I guess her boat is. <laughs> her boat, Summer indeed, the boat yes. she, she as the boat is there. She as the boat, anthropomorphized <laughs> as the boat. Um, yeah, so I would say the OC probably does the best job of like sealing something up while also it both seals. Like it's like we have this bookend of like, okay, this is where they were and this is where they've ended up. And I'm very interested in what got them from point A to point B and I want to watch this season. But also it's setting up a lot of like, 
oh my God, Ryan's going to Chino and Seth's going to whatever. My issue with it is we get to season two and it's like, obviously all of this shit is going to be reversed in the first two episodes. Clearly Ryan's coming back. Clearly Seth is coming back. Clearly Marissa is like going to be mad at Caleb. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's satisfying and it feels like it's setting shit up, but it's actually kind of not. Yeah. Which is why I might give a little bit of the jump to Gossip Girl, which similarly has like the big montage where we have like Blair flying off because Chuck abandoned her on the helipad, Rufus on the which tour bus. Which was like a surprising turn, I think, because it's like big you finally want to believe that Chuck has like become a better man or whatever in rela- in his relationship with Blair and then gives up on her. And it's like, oh, like I saw that coming, but I'm sad. It's what Gilmore Girls should have done. Yeah, yeah. No more girls shouldn't have had them both end up with their men. Like, that's just, like, too much, like, fairytale bullshit. But, like, we literally have Chuck given to Blair, like, five minutes before the finale, and we're all like, do-do-do, it's over, like, da-da-da, and then she, like, goes off in a helipad, and he just, like, never shows, and she flies off with somebody else. And then we literally have Gossip Girls VO being, like, Summer's, like, no one does summer like New Yorkers. This one's a scorcher. (laughs) Like, it's literally, like, just, like, get... It's lit. so scandalous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's literally great. just like get lit for. Honestly, now that I said, I think I'm going to say Gossip Girl takes the jump for me over the OC. Yeah, I think it's great because it like fits the tone of the show like so well. It's like, oh, you think there was drama and like salaciousness in season one? Just wait. Like it sets it up. They're going to the Hamptons and Blair yeah. is going to be dating a count. Yeah. A count? <laughs> a prince doth. Okay, yeah, well, he's, he's not something. a prince. He's a well, he's the, his mother's a duchess. He's a duke. A duke. I don't think he's a duke because I think are you a duke if your mother's a duchess? Sorry, now that we're in season one finale of this podcast, I get to finally watch the crown. I'm very excited. Oh, that's I get to finally like take a beat and just be like, I'm gonna watch the crown and just like sleep in the windy city. All right, yeah. And I also just do want to say the Buffy season one finale is garbage. Yeah. I mean, like, it's fine. It seals things up, but it's just, like, not... It's a comic book. Like, it's just... No, it is. And, like, it's great. It's just... It feels like the last five minutes of Iron Man 1. Like, it's just, like, okay. Well, it's also, like, I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, the fact that Xander ends up saving her life, and I have... Growing up, I did not have this issue, but now re-watching Buffy, I have so many issues just watching Xander. And I know you've talked about this on the podcast, but like even just watching Xander and the and he like saves her life. And it's I'm just like, ah. Yeah, it's unfair. I mean, I liked the touch that like Angel can't because he doesn't, yeah, doesn't breathe, which right. they should have emphasized more. I think that yeah. was an oversight. I think that's something that doesn't come across as strongly as it should. I will say, I think what Buffy fucked up with the first season is that they were making it a comic book and they were making it about the master. What it actually should have been is Angel Turning Bad should have been the season one finale. Like, that's that's what we want because that's a huge point A to point B. And that's also setting up a really fascinating second season. Oh my God. Season two of Buffy though is like so good. good. But the first few episodes, you're like, okay, what are we getting to? Yeah, like I feel like because of the way that they did season one, like season one really doesn't need to be watched necessarily. I think it does just like understand the world and everybody's like powers and like whatever. But like- it's not your most rewatched season. Yeah, like it's just not required. And I feel like had the season one finale been the episode where Angel turns bad. Yeah, like if they had gotten there. Yeah. yeah. Which like, honestly, wouldn't be, I think it's episode 13 and there are 13 episodes in the first season. So that's fewer episodes than all of season one of the OC. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't because it was like a mid-season replacement. So that's why it just didn't have that many episodes. Yeah, again, coming into it with, like, the logistics as a producer, I just want to, like, talk about the scheduling spot. All right, well. So I think think we're agreeing Dawson's Creek and Gossip Girl were, like, 
standout season one finales. Yeah, I think Dawson's and Gus are probably the gold standards. Go watch them. Enjoy your holiday. <laughs> Enjoy your holiday. Watch those. I would say as far as just first seasons overall, the OC probably has the strongest. And that's probably why I'm saying... Yeah. Like the OC season one is significantly better than any other season, which isn't true for any of these other shows. Significantly better? No, nah, it might not be significantly better than two, but one and two are significantly better than three and four. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, I think that's it. Guys, we did it. This has been the Melodramatic Teen Universe season one. Season Thank one. you Woo-hoo. so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Y'all are amazing. Happy 2020. Get lit by yourself. Go listen to the opening theme songs <laughs> on, your, on your safe quarantine drive. That's how drives. you're going to ring in 2020. In the meantime, you can always follow us on social at MTU Podcast. You can follow me at Emily Duke. Haha. And you'll get all that hot social content all the time. And love you. <laughs> XOXO. XOXO. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl.